Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's special holiday episode, we discuss some of the biggest healthcare advancements from 2020. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 65 for the week of December 28th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Welcome to a special New Year's holiday episode of The Bandage. Before we get started, our diagnosis code for this week is X10.0, contact with hot drinks. Now, don't you worry, this didn't happen in a McDonald's drive-thru. Oh. No, no, no. But it did actually happen to me. Just this last, we're coming straight off of Christmas, right? Yeah. And the snow is falling in Ohio. Is it? As it usually does. Uh, And so obviously it's time to do fun things like Mm -hmm. watch Christmas movies, go sledding, those kind of things. Um, So in particular, we were watching the Polar Express. And there's one scene in the Polar Express where. They're dancing around with hot chocolate, the waiters, uh, and giving it to the kids, and it's a lot of fun. And so, obviously, I'm the I'm a I'm a seer and a doer, so I made my own hot chocolate, yes, and did my own little dance, and right. the kids loved it, loved it, um, especially the part where I dumped the entire tray down the front of my shirt and screamed bloody murder. It's hilarious. Yeah. For you, it was a a good time. (laughs) For you, it was a white hot Christmas. Definitely. Yep. (laughs) I've never seen that movie, but with that, let's get right into the news. First up, we have a light at the end of the tunnel. On December 11th, the FDA issued an emergency use authorization, or EUA, for the first COVID-19 vaccine. The authorization allowed the Pfizer vaccine to be distributed in the U.S., The vaccine will be given to millions of people 16 years of age and older, including healthy individuals. The first groups to receive the vaccine are at-risk vulnerable people and healthcare workers taking care of COVID-19 patients. Officials have said that they want to have shots widely available to everyone else before the middle of next year. Vaccine testing is just beginning in children to determine if they can receive it. There it is. Here we are. Here we are. Everyone said that at the end of 2020, we're going to yell Jumanji so we can get out of this game. Yep. Uh, yep. Seems like uh, we're making an effort to do so. I'm mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that it goes that direction. As far as I'm concerned, January and February of 2020 didn't really exist because, you know, I think life was normal then. And then ever since then, I've just been locked in my office working away. <laughs> yeah. D- <laughs> Don't think of it as working from home. Think of it as living at work. That's much, much sadder. <laughs> <laughs> living at work. That's so depressing. <laughs> it's like those scenes in those overworked employee workaholic movies where they have a couch in their office and exactly. they're like down on their luck and they can't go home because their wives kicked them out because they're overworking themselves and they go to sleep on the couch and they wake up in their same outfit and they just work through the day. Exactly. That's, that's, that's basically what's been happening. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Except I those people who that I don't I imagine that I don't know what the ratio and I wonder what the ratio is of men getting kicked out of their house by their wives because they're overworked <laughs> in twenty twenty. Because it's like yeah. where are they gonna go? 
Another story that kind of relates to this that I saw is that the NFL was considering having a Super Bowl for exclusively vaccinated people. <laughs> oh, no. Are I, we in that world right now? Well, <laughs> the, the concept was that you could safely gather all of these people together. So they were going to do it yeah. like a, to give back to healthcare workers and things like that because they are the ones mm-hmm. getting the first vaccines. So, okay, let's have a Super Bowl with them. But you're right. It is kind of like uh, you very dystopian. <laughs> you're not allowed to have fun. <laughs> that sounds so dystopian. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. Hopefully it, it goes as well as they say they think it will. Next up, visiting the doctor has never been easier. Because of COVID-19, nearly a quarter of patients had used a computer, app, or phone for a telemedicine appointment by the summer of 2020. There was a 154% increase in telehealth visits during the last week of March 2020 compared to the same time period in 2019. Even more significantly, patients are receiving anxiety treatments via online psychotherapy. This is a huge relief in areas where there are shortages of mental health therapists. The trend won't continue to the same extent, but the shift towards at least some appointments being virtual will stay due to their convenience. Yeah, I I also think there's been a lot of trends in just companies being like, you know what, let's just be remote forever and then we'll see how it goes. Um, but I mean, telehealth is cool. I like it. I, I like the concept of it. I've never done it, um, but I would definitely be willing to, especially because I have to have a, a doctor's appointment on a yearly basis where he essentially just asks me how I'm feeling. Right. And then he's like, All right. Well, here's your prescription. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. And then that's it. And, <laughs> but. Right. Uh, that would be great for like maintenance appointments like that. Um, as far as Certainly. you're never going to be able to replace certain types of appointments, obviously, but that's not really what it's trying to do. It's just trying to cut down on those types of appointments, which I'm all for. I, I don't think we'll see a really meaningful shift to telemedicine um, until the people seeking health care um, are the, the next generation. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't I agree. I don't foresee my parents' generation ever really buying into telehealth or telemedicine. Right. It's not really going to be until the next generation, you know, my generation or the generation in between me and my parents, until we get older and start to go to the doctor a lot more often, that telemedicine is going to be easier to suggest and, and grow in that sense. But in terms of convenience, um, that's probably going to be the biggest reason it does grow. Yeah. Also, you can make the argument that, you know, our parents' generation barely even goes to the doctor as it is. <laughs> so trying to convince them to to go visit the doctor via your phone, which is already a foreign object to most of them, probably isn't a good bet. <laughs> exactly. Next up, better bones with a dual acting drug. Osteoporosis is a condition in which Bones become weak and brittle, increasing their risk of breaking. The loss of bones occurs silently and progressively, often with no symptoms until the first fracture. A dual-acting drug approved in April is providing more bone-strengthening power, giving patients with osteoporosis more control in preventing fractures. The treatment works by blocking a protein that inhibits bone formation. This allows the increase in new bone while also decreasing breakdown. These developments present a new agent that builds more bone than any previous osteoporosis drug. I wonder if it's going to get to a certain point where people are like, there's like scientists who are in labs that are growing bones. 
These are super bones. They're yeah, just getting stronger by the day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, farm raised bone broth. What a, what an interesting concept, though. For for the longest time, treating something like osteoporosis was really about like, okay, you know, have a healthy diet so that you you can build yeah, strong bones, drink your of, milk, right? You need that, and we'll see what we can do to try and prevent um, the bones from breaking down. Yeah, there's not much you can do until now, it seems. Until is, now. Yeah, until he, this new dual-acting drug with only 15 payments of $99.99. And if you call within the next 30 seconds, you will also get your very own calendar, including diagrams of your skeletal system. No, oh. that's not true. <laughs> that's fair. Next up, say goodbye to your EpiPen. The development of new oral immunotherapy medication may make it possible to protect against allergic reaction to peanuts. In September, the FDA expert panel recommended approval of the first-of-its-kind treatment, a capsule with a small amount of pharmaceutical-grade peanut protein. Over time, the dose is increased and the child builds up a tolerance to peanuts. In a recent study, 80% of patients reached a daily maintenance dose equivalent to one peanut. It's not a cure, but the breakthrough treatment lessens the worry of accidental exposure. You know, I never it, thought that I'd have I'd be covering a story about microdosing peanuts. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my, my favorite part is that it gets up to like about one peanut and I'm just imagining <laughs> a single peanut getting jammed into a gel capsule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like one really awkwardly shaved pill capsule right, right. And, and then it makes you wonder you know it, a month down the road you're like so i'm taking a one peanut every day is that what you're telling me yeah basically okay then why <laughs> am i paying five dollars each for them because peanuts in the can are just too good to put down and that's very dangerous <laughs> exactly you eat one and, and the rest are gone i have no, that problem this, i really do I mean, obviously we're making light of this but peanut allergies are very serious but i think this is the result of uh probably private companies realizing that or and seeing the increased cost in EpiPens and seeing how ridiculous mm -hmm. it is and being like, you know what, we could probably make uh unfortunately some money here if we if we figure out a new way to build up the tolerance and right. uh an alternative to EpiPens. So this is makes kind you of wonder what's gonna be that. next. Are are yeah. people going to be eating a, a bumblebee capsule a day to <laughs> avoid their <laughs> <laughs> No, because you have to save the bees, Alex, and that oh, wouldn't save the bees. I was going to say, putting a new spin on raising bees. Uh, now they're being <laughs> raised for market instead of for honey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next up, forget the old methods of testing for Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's disease affects 10% of people ages 65 and older and 32% of people ages 85 and older. Catching the disease early is the best for treatment and a new blood test may help improve early detection. A cross-sectional study found that a test distinguished Alzheimer's disease from other neurodegenerative diseases significantly better than already established plasma and MRI-based biomarkers. Further research is still needed to validate the findings in unselected and diverse populations and to determine its potential role in clinical care. This is one yeah, of those so, diseases that affects yeah. a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's good to see that we're constantly making advancement, even when... Yeah. All of the focus this year seems to be on, you know, what are most pressing and new and novel 
disease is. Um, so it, it is nice to see little advancements like this that could make a pretty big difference. I feel like if anyone ever needs motivation as to like that whole saying where if you when you fail, you can't just give up. I feel like the medical industry as a whole is the best example to use as that motivating factor because they're still fighting and will continue to fight diseases that seem like there is no potential cure for them, like Alzheimer's, like dementia, like cancers. Mm-hmm. And they just never give up. And it's really cool. It's very motivating. Keep that in mind while you're thinking about your New Year's resolutions for 2021. Definitely. Don't give up is a good one. And with that, let's get into our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. Since it's a special holiday season episode, we are going to go over the biggest breaches of 2020. And include how many people were affected. First up, it's Twitter. July 15th, 130 high-profile accounts affected. Second, we have Marriott. March 31st, over 5.2 million hotel guests were impacted. In April, Zoom was hacked. Over 500,000 accounts sold or published online. Also in April, Magellan, over 365,000 patients breached. Going back to March, Cam4 had 10.88 billion records exposed. In February, of course, we saw MGM Grand with 10.6 million guest records exposed. EasyJet saw 9 million customers compromised in May. It wasn't a very happy April for Nintendo users as 300,000 accounts compromised and used for unsolicited purposes. Out in September, Mailfire had 100,000 users breached. On my birthday month, March, we saw Anthea's Technologia have 76,000 fingerprints exposed. Oh. And then, of course, a Blackboard discovered in May this year over 6 million people affected. And that's it for this year's final wrap-up of 2020 Healthcare News. Let's hope that 2021 goes a little bit better. I'm Alex Ross. And I'm Matt Moneypenny. We'll see you next week and a happy new year. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.